Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and click on the Listen tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So I love it that you're my fellow night owls. That's why I wanted to check and test, because I believe that night owls are the merriest of merry Christmasers. I really do. I believe you are the merry people of all the three services that we've had tonight. I even saw it on your faces as you came in. There were a lot of Merry Christmases, a lot of smiles. I love greeting people on Christmas. It it is fantastic. We get to see people that we haven't seen in a while. But you also know that Crosswalk is real people, real faith, right? And being real people, we can be honest and admit that sometimes, even though the words are on our lips... The feelings may not be fully in our hearts. That our Christmases, in other words, are are not always as merry as we would like them to be or as they would appear to be. Maybe there's someone missing in your Christmas holidays. Someone who wasn't able to make it because of all the travel problems. Someone who has passed away in in the last year. Maybe you've gone through some pretty major health concerns. Earlier tonight, we, we had a, a woman, I, I like to call her a young lady here, who 10 days ago 
had her entire lung transplanted and was able to be here tonight. That is truly a Christmas miracle. I'm so excited for Holly that she's right, right? But I'm telling you, this year has been tough on her, and maybe you've, you've gone through that as well. Um, maybe your finances aren't what they've been in the last few years. And, you know, maybe it was a good year two years ago, three years ago. This year has been down. And you're kind of worried and concerned about that. So there are things, aren't there, that can steal the merry from our merry Christmas, that can steal the happiness and the joy that we want to experience at this time of year. We've got families. We've got children. We truly want it to be a merry Christmas, but sometimes the joy can get robbed from us. And sometimes, I'm going to challenge you a little bit tonight, that sometimes the things we do and the choices we make may cause us to give away our Christmas joy. I want to tell you a little story about something that had happened many years ago. Uh, there was this uh, young family. The mom's name was Marjorie Talcott. And she had a young boy, Peter, named, named Peter, six years old. And um, she and her husband were having a really rough year financially. It was actually during the Great Depression in the 30s. And they, they had managed during that year somehow to just scrape enough money together to keep a roof over their family, uh, to keep food on the table. But as Christmas approached, as, as much as they wanted to make sure that little Peter only six years old, had a great Christmas with lots of presents. They realized it, it just wasn't going to be possible to, to keep their house going and have Christmas presents that year. So they called Peter into the living room. This is a true story. actually happened. And uh, they sat him down, and they explained to him that, unfortunately, there just wasn't enough money to buy Christmas presents that year. Now, Peter being six years old, like any six-year-old, was a little bit disappointed and discouraged at first. But his dad chimed up and said, so here's what we want to do, Peter. We want to spend this next week, because it was a week before Christmas, drawing pictures, making pictures of all the things that we wish that we could give to each other. So that seemed to cheer Peter up a little bit. They all got to work as a family on that. They were busy that week drawing their pictures. And when Christmas morning came, they had this scrawny, scraggly little pine tree, Christmas tree in the, in the living room. And they all came down and gathered around the Christmas tree. And it was actually very beautiful because it, on it were hung all the pictures that they had drawn. For dad, there was a, a picture of a beautiful black limousine, shiny and new. There was a picture of a red speedboat that dad always had talked about. Dad loved to, to fish and to ski. For mom, well, her, her winter coat had gotten a little bit threadbare, so there was this amazing and very puffy and comfy and beautiful-looking winter coat for her. And of course, because mom needs a little bling, all moms need some bling, there was a, a picture of a, a necklace, a diamond necklace and a diamond bracelet. It was, it was beautiful. Peter also got some pictures. He got a, a picture of a camping tent because he loved to go camping with his family. And he, and he also got a picture because there were no limits. I mean, these were pictures. He got a picture of a, a brand new swimming pool in his backyard. It was finally Peter's turn to show his drawing. And little six-year-old Peter brought his drawing out and carefully 
unfolded it for his family, and they looked down, and in crayon on this paper was a, a drawing of a man and a woman with their arms around them, and both of their arms with, with uh, their arms around a little boy, six years old. Of course, it was a picture of Peter's family. And on the bottom of the picture was one word, and the word was very short. The word was us. He wanted his parents to know that no matter what the financial situation was, no matter the fact that it was Christmas, the most valuable Christmas thing to him was that he had his mom and dad present with him. That was the greatest, quote-unquote, present that they could give him. Now, the reason we know this is a true story, many, many years later, Marjorie Talcott, the mom, actually wrote about it. And you know what she said about it when she wrote? She wrote that it was the most memorable, the best Christmas that she ever had. And she said the reason was, with all the, the store-bought presents out of the way, we had time to reflect on what was truly important to us, and that was simply that we be together. Now, I love that. And actually, as I got to thinking about that, I got to thinking, yes, Christmas is a beautiful time for our family to be present with one another and, and, and to have that time to truly enjoy each other. I hope at some point tomorrow, maybe it's after all the presents are opened, maybe it's while you're sitting down to Christmas dinner, you'll just take a moment, maybe without anybody else noticing, and look around and, and see all the people in the room with you and go, this is us, and this is awesome, and this is such a gift from God that, that God has given us each other. We are truly being given the best gift of all when, when we have family and friends and loved ones present with us. But I also want you to do this because... I think that's really what Christmas is about. Not that only we get to be together with each other, but that the Son of God became a human being so that he could be present with you. That he could be present in this world as a full human being, understanding the kinds of things that you go through, that I go through, the challenges we face, the hurts that we have even to understand the temptations that we have to battle those, come out of those battles of temptation and pain and struggle, still perfect as the Son of God, but then be able to take his perfection and, and his righteousness, as the Bible calls it, and, and pass it on to us as this most amazing gift. You know where this story ends already, don't you? You see, Christmas is just the beginning. 30-some years later, we're going to hear of Jesus' death on a cross, the perfect sacrifice for our sins, his resurrection, the perfect sign of his great power and his conquering, not only sin, but sin's consequence, death. We have all of that because Jesus is here with us. And if Jesus were to draw the picture... All of us would be in it, and he would be in the middle of us. And there is no greater gift that can be given than 
that little phrase that we sung not too long ago, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I want to I take you through some things because I think it's so important for us to hear this message of Christmas and to be reminded of all that Christ gives us because in our daily life, let's face it, we can lose our joy. We can lose those things that are important to us. The awe of just having this amazing life that God has given us and maybe even lose the peace that God wants us to have. So if you're on the second side of the crosswalk notes, that's great. That's exactly where I want you to be. You see, when Christ is present with you in your life, when through the word and through the sacraments, Jesus comes alive in our hearts and we have a relationship with him and he becomes present not just because he came 2,000 years ago, but because he's real to us today, there's truly a Christmas gift that he gives us. And that is the, the capacity to have peace that doesn't just last a day, but lasts all year long. To have a sense of awe at, at all that God does for us in his amazing love, and to have true joy that lasts even through the ups and the major downs of life. Take a look, and I want you to start by just uh, writing this down. When we truly understand Jesus being present in our lives, we recapture the peace of being under God's control. Before Jesus is even born, we can see that control in this Christmas story, can't we? I mean, take a look. When, when God wants to move the birthplace of Jesus from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill a prophecy that he had made hundreds of years before that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem, what does he do? He doesn't just supernaturally transport Mary and Joseph there. He, he goes all the way to the, the top of the empire, the, the emperor himself. It says, and Luke points this out, in those days, Caesar Augustus, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. God controls the entire world. And it was God who moved Caesar Augustus to issue that decree. And as God sees everything going on in his world, that's what moved Mary and Joseph to where they needed to be to fulfill that prophecy about the birthplace of Jesus. And I love that about God. I'll bet some of you have worries about the world that we live in today. And, and, and you may wonder, is anybody running the show? Does, does anyone really care about the things that are happening in our world today? I want you to come back to this beautiful Christmas story and hear this loud and clear. You can have peace. Peace that lasts all year long because the Christmas story is a gift to you saying that God has control of the entire world, the entire universe, and he knows everything that's going on and he's moving the world and the universe for his purposes. Now, what I find really cool and really interesting is not only did God move these world leaders, Caesar Augustus, but God arranged things for Joseph and Mary too, didn't he? When they got to Bethlehem after a, a, a long ride on a donkey, I'm sure they must have been exhausted. There was no room for them in the guest house or the inn. 
And yet God personally saw what they were going through and saw to it that they have a roof over their head. It, it, it was modest, it was humble. It, it certainly wasn't a well-decorated baby room, but there was a stable. And, and there was a feeding trough in that stable that the baby Jesus could be laid in after he was born. And, and there were clothes to, to wrap Jesus in to keep him warm. Maybe your issue isn't so much about whether God's in control of the world. You want to know, is God seeing what's going on in my life? And part of the beauty of the Christmas story is, if God can see what's going on with Mary and Joseph, he can certainly see what's going on with you. And he loves you, and he will care for you just the same as he did for Mary and Joseph. I want you to write a couple things down. Hearing the story of Jesus' birth helps us recapture the peace of being under God's control. I gave you that before. First of all, in our world. Notice what Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority, not, not partial authority, not a little bit of authority, but all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is in control. In our world, but also, and here's your next fill-in, in our personal lives. All the way back to the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Christ, Isaiah said, so don't fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Brothers and sisters, please don't don't lose and don't give away the peace that God wants you to have of knowing that he is lovingly in control of everything, including your life. Sometimes we lose that peace because we lose a little of the sense of awe, especially as we grow up. I, I, I remember when I was sixth grade, my watch that I had been given uh, broke, and it wasn't working anymore. And so I, I decided, you know what, I, I can fix that. And so I, I found a, a tool and pried off the, the back of my watch. There, there I was in my desk where I do my homework, and I still remember this vividly. The back of that watch popped off, and so did all the stuff on the inside. And I went, oh. My thought had been, I was going to be able to sort of see how it's put together and maybe figure out, you know, how I can fix this. When all those parts came spilling out onto my desk, I looked down and I, well, it was great because I could, for the first time, see what actually was on the inside of a watch. It was kind of fun to look at all those parts, but I had no earthly clue how to put it back together again. And it never got back together. It went into the garbage. I think that's true, uh, especially of us as adults. Sometimes we get so buried in all the little pieces and parts and the minutia of our life that, that we don't step back and, and see how, how, how we're being helped and how all of the world is working and that God has got his finger on everything, making everything work just exactly the way he wants it to for his purpose. A, a problem comes along and we get focused on that. Everything else fades away. How important is it is for us to be sort of like those shepherds. When, when those 
angels appeared out of nowhere and in a, in a dark night and the sky lit up like with a thousand spotlights and they started singing glory to God in the highest. All of a sudden the shepherds, they, they didn't, who knows how many sheep they had to care for. Who knows what was supposed to be the next meal they had to arrange for them. All of that went to the side for a little bit and they just looked up and they were in awe. In fact, beyond awe, the Bible tells us what we just read, that they were a bit terrified. I think when we step back and let God be in control and we watch the whole of life play out in the big picture, we can recover our awe too and see that, that God really does love us and that he's working all things for our good. Take, take a look at what Moses said. First, first of all, write this down. Recapture the awe of being surrounded by God's glory. Truly, God is at work, glorious work in your life all the time. I mentioned about, I mentioned about this, this beautiful uh, young lady, I call her young lady, who got a lung transplant 10 days ago. Another person I visited in the hospital this week, a gentleman named Dick. I went in there on Wednesday and I thought, I'm probably not going to get back here until Friday. I don't know if he'll be alive. I went back to the hospital on Friday and they had moved him to rehab. He was doing great. Now, does that always happen? No. But as I said to Dick when I prayed with him and gave him a devotion, Dick, you are going to be healed. One of the wonderful things of Jesus coming is you'll either be healed here and go back to work where you work, or you'll die and go to heaven and be healed for eternity there. That's what Jesus, our Savior, brings to us. I just think it's amazing to watch God at work and to see all his glory. Look at what Moses said. This is after God delivered them through the, 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 the Red Sea. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Do you feel that sometimes? You look at God and you go, wow, who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. I... My prayer for you, my hope for you, and I, and I know God can do this, and I know you can receive this, is that this Christmas will be a, a, a day of renewed awe that allows you to kind of step back from all the, the little problems and maybe some of the big problems that you faced in the last year and, and see how God's hand has been at work and see how God is going to continue to show you his love in your everyday life and that you'll recapture the awe of being surrounded by God's glory like those shepherds looking up at those angels singing. Here's the last point I want to share with you. When we receive a savior from our sin named Jesus Christ, we receive the best gift of all. We can recapture the joy of knowing that a savior has been born to us. Can I say the biggest joy robber of all and, and the thing that can restore our joy and happiness all of us, for all of us 
is getting our sin dealt with. I want you to think about it for a moment, how easy it would be to think about God and as these shepherds were, to have your initial reaction be to be terrified. Because as you really think deeply about this and you, and you look at where God wants you to be in life, and I, I, I'm talking about with his commandments, where God wants your heart to be, and you begin to compare that against the demands that, that God has made in his law in the Bible. To love him above everything else. To love your neighbor as yourself. And you, you step back and you do an honest evaluation of that and you begin to realize, my thoughts aren't right. My words haven't been right. My actions haven't been right. And, and the Bible tells us that the natural outcome, the natural result of that is, is, is separation from God. But the Christmas story says, despite our sins, God loved us and sent his son Jesus to come here, not only to be present with us, but to die on the cross and rise from the tomb. Knowing that God has sent you a savior, man, that, that is something good every day. You know, I, I think one of the things that sometimes robs us of our joy is we all live in fear. Maybe it's fear about sin. We don't want to be found out for something that we've done wrong. Maybe it's shame, that kind of fear that we're ashamed of what we've done. But there are all kinds of these things that, that, that will rise up in our hearts if we don't know that God is right here present with us. It, it might be anger. Because without Christ, we struggle to forgive as we've first been forgiven. It, it, it might be worry and anxiety. It might be guilt. But whatever it is, those things rob us of our joy until we remember today a Savior has been born for you. Check out John 3.17. I love this. Please don't live under condemnation. Know that Jesus is your Savior. See what it says there? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You are part of that world. And so that means that Jesus came to save you and to give you a whole new life. Now, what are you going to do with this? There are two reactions that we see in these verses we read earlier, we see Mary's reaction. I love her reaction. She just is quiet. She's, I think, almost stunned. And, and, the, and the Bible tells us that she just took all these events of the day, the birth of her firstborn son, Jesus, the Messiah, the visit from the shepherds, the story of the angels, and she just treasured it up in our heart. I hope that you'll find some time in the next day to just get somewhere where you can just think about these things and treasure them up in, their, in your heart because truly this message is the biggest and the best treasure that you've been given. There was another reaction though. <laughs> While Mary was quietly treasuring things up in her heart, the shepherds were letting loose. And, and I put the verse here, 
The shepherds returned, glorifying and and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Just as I hope you find a little time to be quiet and ponder, I also hope you find time, maybe tomorrow at Christmas dinner, maybe tonight on your way home from church, your night owls, stay up and talk about it. But praise God for what he's done. Share it with each other. Talk about the music that you've heard here and the message behind the music. Talk about the message and that beautiful gospel that God has given you. Be like the shepherds, and you can go out of this room too, glorifying and praising God for all the things that you've heard and seen. I want to share one last thing. I really believe that Christmas is, it it has the potential to be the beginning of something big for you, something huge. If the message of Christmas is that God loved us so much that he wanted to be present with us, Don't you think that God wants to be present with you, not just at Christmas, but all the time? So I'm I'm gonna give you one little baby step to help Jesus, the Son of God, be present with you all the time. And, And it's this. Next week, on New Year's Day, and I know that you're the night owl, so I'm gonna give you a scenario in just a second. On New Year's Day, we're going to have two services, nine, and you'll want to hear this, 11. And we're going to start walking with Jesus through the story of his life. And if you want to build a relationship where Jesus is present with you every day, this is going to be a series that can do that. So will you close your eyes with me for a second? I'm going to, I'm going to take you through a little meditation exercise here. This is not woo-woo, don't worry. Put yourself at your New Year's Eve party. Maybe it's 9 or 10 o'clock at night. The party's just getting going. You're celebrating. You got friends and loved ones around, and you're having a great time at the New Year's party. 12 o'clock rolls up, and you're excited because now the New Year is coming. You celebrate the incoming of the New Year, and you hang out because you don't want to be that loser that leaves right after, after midnight, right? Now you watch as the clock hits one o'clock. And as that clock hits one o'clock, you think to yourself, you know, probably now would be a great time to head toward home before the bars let out at two. It'd just be safer. And besides, Pastor Jeff told us there's a great new series starting tomorrow, and I want to be there for that. So as you come to one o'clock on New Year's Day, wherever you're at, unless you're in bed asleep already, which is okay, you can come to the 9 a.m. service. And you see that clock hit one o'clock, come back to this. Go home, hit the sack around two or 2.30, get get a good seven and a half, eight hours of sleep because you want to be fresh for this new series. And join us for the 11 a.m. service where we're going to start walking with Jesus all the way through the spring, through Easter, and I want you to be there for it. And I'm personally inviting you to join us. Jesus being present in your life every day, every hour of every day, Jesus being present in your heart, that's what God wants for you this Christmas. 
So before we close, if you would like to hear more messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have given your son Jesus for us. You are amazing that you would sacrifice your one and only son. Lord, we, we've tried so many things in our lives. We've, we've tried rebellion. We've tried running from you. We've tried doing the things that you tell us not to do, and that hasn't worked well for us, Lord. Lord, we've tried religion. We've tried to work hard to do all the things that you tell us to do, to follow all the rules, to keep all your commands, and Lord, that hasn't worked well either. We're just exhausted from trying to do that. Lord, you have the true answer, and that's the answer of your son, Jesus. And so we, we thank you tonight that we have the opportunity to worship and praise you for giving us a Savior, and that we can recognize tonight that Savior was sent for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.